welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Moo, and I am joined, as always, every Tuesday by Blake Murphy. Blake Murphy. What's going on, Blake? Um, yeah, uh, today, when you when you hit me up this morning, shortly before I woke up, um, about what our topics Damn, were going to be. you slept in, slept in. Oh, come on, man! I, you gotta you gotta get in your rest when the Raptors are playing on the West Coast. Um, but you know, you hit me up. What are the topics? I sent you the topics. And usually, what I like to do is talk about the basketball on you know the court first, and then we talk about the stuff off court. Not However, this time of year, baby. Not this time of year. You're right. Because, look, right now, all anyone is talking about is OJ Anobi, who um, has, I guess, officially been thrust into trade rumors. This one from Sham Sharania, the report dropped today. We have the clip here of uh, the report that the Raptors are now actively listening on trade rumors or trade offers for OJ Anobi. So the, the, the Raptors are taking calls on OG Ananubi. You look at the Knicks, they're willing to give up multiple first-round picks for OG Ananubi. But another team in the last week or so that's emerged is the Phoenix Suns. I think they're a team that ha- they have the assets, eight first-round draft picks at their disposal between now and 2030. They've got the picks. Uh, they've got players. They've got guys like Cam Johnson. You have expiring contracts like Dario Sarge, Jay Crowder. Can you put together a package for OG Ananubi? Uh, could you go get something for a Jay Crowder that can kind of replenish your bench? I think those are really the two pathways right now uh, for, for the Suns. I think the, the point guard search probably looks more into the summertime because right now the, the need is more at the, at the wing. They've got CP. They've got Book. They've got Aiton. Um, and I, I think with Devin Booker, the good news is they have traded water for the most part. They won six of seven without Devin Booker. He's doing more and more. He's doing everything right now besides five on five. So the Suns do believe that he's getting closer to making a return. And the way he's played, how good he's been, I do think he has the ability to take this team from what they are now, which is a fringe playoff team, to a contender. Okay, so um, lots of breakdown from from that Sean's report. Uh, first and foremost, the Raptors are you know taking calls on OJ and OB. Uh, this is... I guess not that much of a surprise. I mean, the Raptors are clearly in a position where they're looking at this road trip to sort of decide what you know what they're going to do with the team. And that's not to say that Messiah and Bobby watched the game last night and they're like, wow, I can't believe the Raptors blew another fourth quarter lead. We got to <laughs> trade OG now. But I, I, I do think that it was more likely the Raptors would pivot towards selling at the deadline. Now, of course, this doesn't necessarily mean that they would uh, find a deal that they like. And, of course, the Raptors, I think, hold the cards here because they have the, the player that it seems like a lot of teams in the league want. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I guess I want to start with your reaction. Are you surprised? Not really, because I, I think where the Raptors are both this season and in terms of what they're building and where they're going, they're in a position where, you know, short of Scotty Barnes, they should be listening on anyone. Okay. And this team, even if you believe in the, the core six or so being able to be better than this, uh, next year into the future, you're not good enough to like, being able to say, no, nah, we're sitting this out, we're not listening, that's a luxury of very good teams who mm. have the pieces in place or, or at least know what the missing pieces are to take them to that next step and, and how they're going to get there. This is probably, if there's anything surprising about this, it's this is by far the leakiest season we've had oh, with yeah. the Raptors. Yep. Um, like, I would imagine during the DeMar Kyle era, 
they were listening on Damar and Kyle and Terrence Ross and JV mm-hmm. and whoever else because they weren't in a position where you were certain. And, in fact, you would probably, with the exception of 2018, before they fell flat on their face and their spirits broke after the tips didn't go in in game one against Cleveland. Like, that's the only time they could have reasonably been like, no, we're headed in the right direction. We've got the pieces we need. You have to listen. The Raptors are in a particularly poignant spot with that because Fred and Gary are two of the core five or six, however you want to frame it. And you have to make a decision on them more immediately. Now, when you have it out there that you're listening on guys like that, of course, teams are going to be like, well, what about OG? Mm -hmm. No disrespect to Gary Trent Jr. Who's a very good three point shooter. A lot of teams need that kind of offense. If I'm calling the Raptors and I ask what the price on Gary Trent is, I'm also going to ask, Hey, so how much more would it take to get OG instead? Mm. Because OG's a superior defender, a little more pug and play, doesn't need the ball in his hands very much. Um, now, some teams might be constructed where Gary makes a, a bigger impact because they need that scoring or whatever. Most teams, though, and most lineups around the league, OG at his price tag with his skill set is as plug and play as it gets. So I think that's why you're hearing that the Raptors are listening because they're not hanging up the phone immediately. Um, you know, I... I I'd be a little surprised if we heard that there were talks about Pascal just because he's got a year left and, you know, we haven't heard anything about that. It's very hard to trade a max guy in season precious just because he's just restoring his value now and he's got Mm. rookie scale left and Scotty Barnes because it's Scotty Barnes. Anyone else, I would hope the Raptors are listening on and at least figuring out what the market is, whether that's because you want to turn around and tell the Knicks, hey, we can get three firsts somewhere else for OG, but we'll give you Gary for two firsts or something like that. Or right. you just want to gauge how much the teams around your the league value your guys because the Raptors know how good these guys are and can be, but it tells you something if you have a whole bunch of guys that other teams are, and I don't know that this is actually the case, but the reporting has been pretty consistent that if the Raptors put Fred, Gary, OG on the block, they would get a lot back for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that informs what the front office is doing because it tells them the path to replacing those guys. If you do deal them is really difficult. Yeah. So there's a lot, there are a lot of reasons you would be listening. If I'm a playoff team right now, I am calling about OG and I'm calling about Gary Trent and Fred Van Vliet and, and a couple other pieces too. But most contending teams, most teams that feel like they're a piece away OG is the most seamless piece to pluck from one situation, drop into another. Like, is there a lineup in the league you don't think he would be able to be OG in? Probably not, right? Yeah, no, I've said this on the show previously, um, but I, I do think a lot of teams in this league are one OG and OB away from true championship contention. And that's not to say that he is going to be like the number one or number two or number even number three option in most of these contending teams. But for his exact skill set, that's exactly what every team is looking for. And this mm-hmm. is why you've seen already a lot of teams known to be in the mix, right? So Shams has now put it out there that Phoenix is now known to be in the mix, right? And, and you know, we can talk about sort of what Phoenix could potentially offer in some sort of return like that. The New York Knicks have been, um, you know, mentioned quite a few times over the last few weeks about how they have thrown three first-round picks into the mix. Um, the Portland Trailblazers last year at the deadline, uh, it, or last year at the draft, was was very clear that they were in and they wanted something on OG Anobi. It's pretty clear that Dane wanted to play with OG as well, which is a huge factor in that sense. And I think the deal that was reported, which ultimately didn't actually happen, mostly because I think the Raptors turned it down, was I think it was the seventh pick and, and Josh Hart, right? And and that was the, the name there. Of course, you can extend that out. There are other teams that could potentially be interested that make kind of a lot of sense. For example, the Pelicans, for example, the Grizzlies. Um, but 
among those three known teams. Okay, I'm just talking the Knicks first off because I, I don't know for me, like, there's one identifiable prospect on their roster that really satisfies what I, I do I like Grimes, for. but not at that level, right? Like, yeah. he's not, he's mini OG for a reason. Yeah, he's not I, I wouldn't even go that far, to be honest. He's, uh, he's getting pretty good defensively, though. I don't know, man. Fred averaged 30 against him this 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 year. Okay, uh, but that's just because Fred loves playing against Jalen Brunson, apparently. I mean, Grimes got a lot of that matchup. Um, but Suns, Blazers, I would assume maybe Blazers are right now, currently, just the way their season is sliding. Maybe they don't push in that direction. But Ooh. what could the Suns offer that, that would make you feel more comfortable with sort of, you know, letting go of OG Anobi? Well, the Suns are an interesting one because, and I, I don't mean to uh, correct Shams, they have seven picks that they can deal, not not mm. eight. You can only trade picks seven years out, um, and you can't trade them in consecutive future years. So you have four first-round picks, effectively, that you could include in a deal. They do have all their second-round picks as well, um, nothing extra incoming. The, the Suns are interesting because depending on what the Raptors want— and they're an interesting Gary Trent or Fred Van Vliet destination for this reason, too. Sure. They have a— bunch of those mid-tier salaries so it's pretty easy to construct uh, if you fire up your trade machine of choice pretty easy to structure a sun's deal that either includes one kind of bad contract or a bunch of filler contracts that you just you wouldn't care about the players or something in between like a Landry Shamit where it's like hey it's not the greatest contract in the world but three more years of Landry Shamit around nine or ten million like that's a useful thing to have around mm -hmm. um, but the picks are the the big one there the tough part is with the Suns changing ownership, they're in the process of that with Chris Paul being where he is contractually, where next year the Suns could get out of like half of that deal mm -hmm. if they wanted to and then get out of the third year entirely. The timing of a Suns pick is what gets curious to me, not because it wouldn't be valuable. I mean, in this year, if they were willing to give you a, an unprotected pick, you might even... Um, you know, fade them a little bit and be like, yeah, 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 unprotected first this year. And you're basically making a bet that the Suns will be one of the teams that slides out of the play-in bracket. It seems uh, and, unlikely and when Booker comes back. I'm just it does say. seem unlikely. They're, yeah. they're up to seventh now. And I think they're, you know, if you look at these teams on merit, they're better than, you know, Minnesota, Utah, Portland, the other teams that are in there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm saying, though, that that is something you could do. Or you could look at the Chris Paul situation, a bit of an ugly cap set up there. And you look, hey, maybe a 2024 lightly protected pick is a, is a really nice asset or something like that. So they're even they're interesting for that reason. They're also interesting if you want to loop in a third team and send Jay Crowder somewhere. That yep. helps make the math work. And you know, we heard the Bucks were willing to. I think this was Shams as well mm -hmm. uh, that the Bucks would be willing to. Here's a bunch of salary filler that doesn't move the needle for you, like George but, Hill, but also a couple Serge. seconds. Yeah. And, and so, then Jordan Noir, I think, was the main, yeah. the one like more tangible prospect. So maybe this is a scenario where the Raptors are getting back Landry Shamit and Cam Johnson and um, Jordan Noir, and none of those guys individually moves the needle for you. But then you're looking, and it's like, well, okay, you also got a first from the Suns, two seconds from the Bucks for facilitating, and then the whole package is not really sexy. But like, this is a team that has not had. A pipeline of assets coming in because they traded so much to make the championship season happen mm -hmm. that suddenly you have a couple other young guys you have a couple extra picks you can trade around none of that stuff is as good as og ananobi yeah. but if you become resigned to trading him you know you can get to interesting deals with the suns speaking about the suns in particular is is 
bringing back Aiton is is one of the centerpieces of the deal. Something that appeals to you, or or not? You watch last night's game. This is the worst twenty three and thirteen I've ever seen. Okay, or twenty two right. and thirteen, whatever he ended up with. Um, no, the Aiton thing is, I I don't love it. I I'm fine with Aiton. Like I think he's a guy I like rooting for on another team. Uh, he's a consistent like eighteen and ten. Yeah, and he'd probably average like fifteen rebounds a game on this team that can't rebound very well. Yeah, four years and one hundred thirty three million is yeah. a lot for a guy who is. First of all, defensively, and maybe this is a good thing, but you, you'd you have to change what you do defensively at least right. a little bit. A lot of he's, job coverage. Yeah, he's not that fleet of foot. And look, this team could use someone like that, but I don't know that they need someone like that at like $33 million a year, $35 million a year past Fair. this year. Um, you also, you know, he's a guy that if you're trading away Fred Van Vliet, maybe makes a little less sense because... He needs to eat in the pick and roll. Right. That's where a lot of his offense comes from. I know he tried to seal uh, a couple Raptors guys really early in possessions last night. And he was fairly effective of, like that. Most Raptor, most opponents aren't going to have like six foot eight guys covering DeAndre Aiden, right? Like that. that's something that's not entirely unique to the Raptors, but fairly unique. And Scotty Barnes did like a pretty good job keeping him out of his spots or, or forcing turnovers. So um, I don't think that this team would want to run a ton of post offense through him. And if you trade away Fred Van Bleet, even if you trust Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes as kind of lead ball handlers, which you probably should at this point, they don't have a natural like pick and roll operator mm, yeah, uh, to yeah. take advantage of Aiton. So I'm, I'm a little like if Aiton had signed a four year, hundred million dollar deal last off season, this get this becomes a, a an easier discussion. Right. Him at the max, like it's that contract is not very nice. Okay, that's fair. I, I thought it would, you know it's worth asking because Phoenix has dangled Aiden out there repeatedly. Yeah, and <laughs> they were like very regrettably like, fine, we will give you this contract, but only because we have to. <laughs> I and I think you know back to my earlier point about like maybe you want to talk to teams about trades because you want to gauge what the value of guys is. Well. Mm. DeAndre Ayton is a guy who sat out there available in RFA last year. And the only team that tried to poach him was the Pacers who have so much cap space still that they were able to give miles Turner an in season bag. That never happens. Right. Hey, here's $17 million written on a check so that we can extend you as a tradable asset for two years. Like that's how much cap space the Pacers had. They weren't doing that. I don't think because they love DeAndre Ayton. Mm. They were doing that because here, anyone who will take our cap space and can become an asset for us, come, you know, like, like let's talk. And then it wasn't until that point that the Suns matched on him. And it was right. probably because, like, I'd, I'd guess James Jones would tell you in secret that they didn't want to give him that money either, which is why it didn't get done earlier. But they couldn't afford to lose him for nothing mm -hmm. while you're still in this Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges right. moment. Right. Um. So, yeah, the other teams potentially in the mix, I mean, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, those are more like we haven't heard a specific direct link, but they make sense on paper in the sense that those teams can definitely use an OJ Anobi. Those teams are definitely looking to make the next push and be not just playoff teams, but like win a round, maybe win two, three rounds. Um, you know, they also have the type of prospects and pieces that would maybe appeal to you more. When you're looking at those teams, are there more um, players or picks that appeal to you more than as compared to making a deal work with Phoenix. Well, glad you asked. Yes. Uh, so remember last week when we were prepping for the show and you were like, yeah, let's, you sent me a couple questions. You were like, who has the best assets or whatever. 
Well, I give you this giant spreadsheet now okay. that I, I actually tweeted it out earlier so everyone can access it and use it as they see fit. But it has all the extra picks um, and outbound picks that every team has, um, their tax status so you know how much yep. they can take in or might want to shed, and then all of their contracts broken down into expirings, rookie deals, and vet deals. So through this, you know, you can get a little bit of a visualization of like, it's not surprising Oklahoma City has like a really long part because they have 18 extra picks and five yeah. pick swaps because they're insane. Um, but through doing this, you do notice maybe surprisingly, hey, the Knicks look pretty interesting. Like, mm -hmm. look at all these extra picks the Knicks have. Look at all these reasonably small rookie or, or second contracts and a couple expirings to help make things work. Um Memphis is probably the most interesting because they can kind of hit that middle ground of interesting prospects and extra picks, which is, I think if you were thinking of, you know, if the Raptors aren't going to do a full teardown, what do they want? Well, they want a rotation piece back that can help as soon as next year, because you don't have a ton of cap space and you want extra picks to kind of restock the cupboard, but you'd like them a little nearer term. Mm. That's stuff that the Grizzlies can do for you. They have a lot of guys still on rookie deals. They have a big expiring in Danny Green that helps make make trade math work. And they have uh, mostly their extra picks are extra seconds, but they do have a 2024 Golden State first um, that is only top four protected and becomes unprotected by 2026. So mm. if you wanted to fade the post Draymond Warriors era, maybe the post Bob Myers Warriors era based yeah. on other reporting from the athletic recently. That is one of the more interesting trade chips in the market. And then Memphis has almost all of their own picks as well. Right. So um, they're a very interesting team. New Orleans is one that two weeks ago, I would have said they were a really interesting trade partner. Now I'm not sure if they're incredibly interesting because they're free falling and might get desperate or mm. if they are going to be like, you know what? We're not there yet. Let's not put all our stuff in because they have three extra firsts that are very lightly protected. 2024 unprotected first for the Lakers, 2025 top four protected first from the Bucks. Still in Giannis's window. That's yeah, probably not yeah. great. But 2027 Milwaukee first unprotected. That's that could potentially be something. And then, of course, they have um, a bunch of pick swaps with the Lakers and the Bucks that they could offer up. And then they have a handful of interesting guys on rookie deals like Dyson Daniels. Uh, Kira Lewis uh, did not acquit himself well against the 905 <laughs> the say, other, yeah, the other week. Like, um, not really. You got my brother, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall. Um, there's, there's just a lot there. They're not moving Herb Jones, but you could at least ask. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they got OG at home. They got Herb Jones. I guess they have OG at home, although I don't know. OG definitely shoots way better. Yeah. Um, I, so I would say those are the three teams that whether we're talking Gary, Friend, or... <laughs> Gary, Fred, or OG, um, Memphis, New Orleans, and New York are probably the teams that have the most interesting mix of extra picks slash financial flexibility slash the types of deal, types of contracts on their books that make a few different deal frameworks possible. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I was just thinking about this too. Like, obviously, tons of teams are going to jump into the mix. If there's one team that surprises and jumps into the mix, if there's like a dark horse that maybe jumps in this OG thing... I'm looking at it like, why wouldn't Indiana maybe hop on this? You know? Um, no, you're just still looking at that uh, OG whispering to Tyrese Halliburton? No, no, no. I'm just thinking about, like, that's a team that has a lot of talented guards. That's, a, you know, a lot of talented players, um, you know. And uh, I think for me, 
if they want to take the next step, they definitely need a guy like that, especially if you're going to do anything in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference when it's all dominated by big wings. And here's the so. other thing is, like, with a team like Indiana, and, yeah, OG's got roots there from college. It, yep. may, it makes sense. Um, but if you're a team like the Pacers and you're looking at, well, what team should be willing to take risks on guys who – could potentially leave in free agency, but whose bird rights might be really valuable, right? Or who might be willing to OG's extension eligible in October. You look at the Pacers cap sheet. You look at the Pacers history of landing free agents. Are they going to quibble over a couple extra bucks to extend OG on a deal he's comfortable with if they trade assets for him? I don't think so. I think that's one of the likeliest places he could... He's not extension eligible yet, but like mm. you walk in the door and the first thing conversation you have is clutch calling the Pacers up and be like, all right, let's start the framework on something for October. You traded assets for him. He wants to be here. Let's go. And then OG has not only the landing spot where there'll be a little bit more offensive opportunity, um, but a landing spot where he could potentially be back in the playoffs shortly. And they'd have a real willingness to probably not max him, but like, pay him a hefty yeah. raise off his current deal when that becomes possible in October. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about it from the, you know, what the Raptors could receive. I also want to think about it from the Raptors perspective themselves, because it does feel like a pretty significant shift, right? It always very much felt like OG was a core piece, always spoken about in that way. Um, clearly Masai is very fond of him as well. And of course, like, look, this is business, like things can change. But I, I do wonder, like, what, what has changed? Now, is it just because the Raptors are losing that they're kind of moving on this direction? Is it that he might potentially want out? Is it sort of like the price is right at the current moment just because it seems like he's the hottest name in the market? Like, why? Yeah, I think it's more that. His name is hot right now. And I think okay. the, the combination of it's not a secret that over the years, OG Ananobi has felt that he could do a little bit more offensive role-wise. Mm. And we've seen, you and I talked a lot last season about how he got those windows and wasn't super effective in them. And then became super effective again when he went back to a more OG and an OB-ish role. Yep. Now, this year, he's kind of split the difference. He's been a little more efficient in a little higher usage role. But still, we're not seeing, like, the dribble drive stuff. We're not seeing any of the, you know, in-between stuff. Like, he's a very good finisher and he's a good three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. And then right now, that's about it. So, he still looks mostly like a play finisher. Now, how much... He feels he hasn't been given full opportunity to develop those skills versus how much we're six years in and maybe it's just not coming. Like last night, it was pretty striking. I would say that OG is better than Mikhail Bridges by a narrow margin, mm. but Mikhail Bridges' ball handling and ability to create for himself and others like stood out in contrast for that role type. He also uh, plays every game, yeah. which is a very significant asset. Yeah. Right, um, comparatively. But we're, look, we, we've heard, you know, as far back as Nick Nurse's book, hey, OG had some role frustrations in the 2018-2019 season, which was his sophomore season sure. um, at that point. We've heard that, you know, last offseason there were a bunch of rumblings and, you know, however valid or not valid, that OG won a larger role. And, and again, you and I have talked about how you want your guys to be hungry like that, right? Like you want your guys putting in the work mm -hmm. and being like, I can do more, I'm capable of more, I want more for myself. Culturally, organizationally, it's healthy to have guys hungry like that. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about usage percentages and stuff like that. The reality is when you play guys 36 minutes a game, um, they get a lot of field goal attempts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
OG's field goal attempts are down a little under one field goal attempt per game from last year, but he's still sure. averaging 17. Um, you know, I, I would say his efficiency has gone up, but his ability to create for others has maybe gone down a little bit this year. Um, anyway, the combination of those things having been out there, his role not growing this year. Um, and I think a lot of this honestly is, the buzzards are hovering like other teams are going to kick the tires on guys. And yeah. I'm not saying that every OG and OB leak or every Fred Van Vliet leak comes from a team that would like to acquire them and is trying to put that out there to cause further disruption and, you know, see what shakes loose. But I do think this time of year, there are a lot of executives and a lot of news breakers having conversations and all sides of this is like, OG is going to come up a lot. He's yep, yep. until the Raptors like, okay, so let's say the Raptors record were eight games better. What would you and I be doing today? We'd be going through the standings. We'd be, we'd click, be, we'd be like, hey, how much would it take to get Yaka Pertle? My, be, my least favorite topic on the show. But what we do is we would go through the standings and we would click the teams that are underperforming are probably going to be sellers. We'd look at who only has one or two years left on their contract, who is affordable to bring in yeah, and yeah. whose role fits. And if you are any other team, like any of the 20 teams in a playoff spot right now, and you're doing the same exercise on the Timberwolves show or the, the Suns show or whatever, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Of course, OG Ananobi's at the top of your list. And then you're going to ask people about him. And then the newsbreakers are going to ask about him. Right. And other GMs are going to ask the Shams and Woj and Jake Fishers of the world about it. That's how this cycle goes at this time of year. So I don't think the OG stuff is like necessarily that this is imminent. Mm -hmm. I think it's that the Raptors are in a weird spot. And as they've left the window open for people to speculate on their direction, OG is just a really attractive target. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I, and, like, look, let me just put it on the record. Like, I think moving OG Ananobi for something other than, like, a really incredible haul, like, unless you're getting, like, two unprotected firsts or, like, three picks with at least one of them kind of a blue chip pick, you are, unless you're doing a full teardown, which then includes dealing Fred, looking at a Pascal deal in the offseason, stuff like that, you are not going to find a 25-year-old on an affordable deal who produces at both ends the way OG Ananobi does. Like, you just, those guys don't exist. Like, mm -hmm. there's a reason Robert Covington gets traded every year, and it's because every, at, at one point, Robert Covington was quite good, but, like, everyone talks themselves into needing a Robert Covington. Yeah. Or a Bridges or an Ananobi. Like, this is a really important player type if you are going to be competitive. If you're six games under 500 and leaning into a tank, yeah, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't move the needle for you all that much. But if this Raptors team intends to be competitive again next year, it's hard for me to see an OG Ananobi trade unless it's one where it's just like, wow, Masai wins a blockbuster trade so dramatically because someone gets desperate by next Thursday. It's hard to see an OG trade making you better by next season. Mm. So I'm not in a rush to do it. He's going to have trade value in the offseason, too, if you yeah. if you really don't think it's tenable at the end of this year. No, this is why, from a negotiation standpoint, Masai is, is holding all the cards. You have, I don't know, man, I got to imagine eight to ten teams interested, maybe five or six seriously interested. Teams, you know, you have the offers already made and put on the table in certain cases. You have the fact that you don't have the urgent need to trade him right now. You can still, as you mentioned, trade him in the offseason. You have the fact that his contract is right now very amenable to many teams and his skill set is great. He has the potential upside as well, which, you know, uh, I suppose if he goes to a different team and skills up his offensive production, maybe he 
you know, can show that he can get to that 20-point plateau. But, you know, I think right now for the Raptors, though, it, it does seem like they are heading in that direction. I know the report is just listening to calls, but even this, I thought that was interesting because pregame yesterday, Nick Nurse was asked about the fact that, you know, uh, OG Anobi was ruled out for the rest of the road trip with uh, the sprained wrist. We saw him take a very hard fall against Golden State. No, no, that was fake. That was just the Raptors shutting oh, him down okay. for a trade. He didn't actually fall on his wrist. They just, mm. uh, we at Sportsnet inserted that clip in there. It wasn't real. Okay. Well, false that, flight. That, realize, realize, realize. That, that makes sense. Clearly we own the team. So therefore, uh, you know, you know, we're in conjunction with it. But this was Nick's answer when he was asked about the, the news that OJ and would be ruled out for the remainder of the road trip. Um, it's a little surprising to me that it's that it's going to be. Um, I mean, this trip's got a long way to go yet. Not like this trip's ending around the corner, right? So it's a little surprising to me, but um, I guess that's what we know. What we are, what we have now for this trip, and we and we go probably. Um, I think Delano's going to be good to go. Yeah. Um, what What do you think Nick really wanted to say there? Uh, I think Nick was watching Jacques Vaughn's Ben Simmons presser the other day and was just trying to do his own version of it. Did mm. you see that one? No. The Jacques Vaughn got asked about Ben Simmons resting, uh, needing rest with knee soreness, and he was like very specific that, I forget who the other player was, maybe it was Kessler Edwards, but he's like, that's a knee contusion. Something happened and he banged his knee. He's out for that reason. Uh, ben is out with knee soreness. Okay. And he All like right. was very clear to draw that distinction. And then he went in, uh, uh, then he kept going on about how like, well, you know, we're on a back-to-back and everyone played the same amount of minutes and I appreciate the preparation that those guys who could play those minutes still put okay, in. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe right. a little bit of frustration at OG's, you know, inability to to stay healthy over the years. Maybe Nick was just trying to speak earnestly that he's a little surprised. But, like, it's, I don't know, it looked like a pretty bad wrist sprain, bad enough that he went for x-rays and MRIs. Is it all that surprising that he's out, like, five more days? Mm. It's not, I, like, I don't know if Nurse thought that it was the start of the road trip or what, but, like, this this road trip's over in five days. Mm. It's not, oh, what day is today? Six days. Six days. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Mm. Blake Murphy Tuesday is the only way that I could keep track of the calendar. I mean, he doesn't have to say that he's surprised, I suppose. You, know, you could just say, like, hey, listen, the MRI results came back, and we thought this is the safest course of action. Right. Very easy But to it's do. been a frustrating season for him, too, right? Yeah. So no, I, I think... Uh, that's why it was interesting, man. That's yeah. interesting. Like, I, again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, um, I think Nick is clearly trying to win every game, which we will cover in the second half, because I thought it was a good game last night. I would love to talk about basketball as well, but, of course, this is, you know, what, what the show demands at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, if, if you had OG available last night... Probably wouldn't have happened anyway, but if you had OG available last night, you, you, you'd you win the game. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, well, this the is the thing. We're not talking about OG so. Ananobi, and, and Shams isn't reporting about OG Ananobi because he's not good. Mm. That's It's quite the opposite. Mm. Mr. Two Phones over here, right? Yeah, man. Me, me and Bobby on the same tip. You know yeah. what I mean? Just, uh, yeah. Anyway. You, um, Bobby, Kevin Gates. You got to do the Bobby thing with the two up to the ear at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The double? Yeah. Yeah, that's excessive. <laughs> that's really like, hey, GM's calling me on either line. Um, my last question on this with OG before we actually take the break and talk about the game that happened last night. Um, yeah, if OG does move on, is, is there someone in the Raptors roster right now that gets promoted into the starting group in his place? Because I mean, Precious just stays there. Okay, that's it. He's been playing really well. Okay, are um, you happy with that? Like, is that is that something that you could see as a, a obviously that short term? That's exactly what's going to happen. I agree mm-hmm. with you. Long term, is that something that you could see as a fit? Is, is the lineup more balanced potentially? Yeah, I mean, I I just. 
it's a hard question to answer, not to like wishy-wash on it, but mm-hmm. like if OG is dealt, I'll be extra surprised if that's the only trade made. Okay. It doesn't seem like a trade that makes a lot of sense in isolation. Okay. Um, so, so you still I would, think one I would of expect, Gary or, or I would Fred. expect more to come. Yeah. yeah. Because like if you're not moving those guys, <laughs> again, that means you're trying to compete next year and OG is going to help you do that more than deep future picks or, or a guy who's not that yet. You know? Yeah, you're right. Some of these picks that we're talking about, we're really trading them for uh, someone right now in grade seven is is, is potentially getting traded for OG. And OB, Look, Scoot's so. playing on All Star Weekend. If, if you want to okay. trade for a near term one, yeah, um, we got the uh, the NBA Rising Stars All Star Weekend rosters, and, and Scoot is one of a handful of uh, G Leaguers who are going to be playing. He played last year, didn't he? No, not in the All Star game, or not in the. Did he play in the Rising Stars game I, last year? I feel like I've seen a I photo thought... of him standing beside Scotty Barnes. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll investigate this during the break. But uh, for now, uh, I mean, you, host... you know how it is when uh, huh? in in my current existence. Yeah. You know how it is when uh, it's NBA All Star break. It's just I'm a hockey guy. Though. Oh right. Yeah. I forgot you're a hockey guy. Juggling. Now. I'm. Yeah. Double, can't wait for your double thoughts fisting on the... trade deadlines right now. Can't can't wait to hear your your riveting thoughts on on, on someone named Bo Horvat. Um. But anyway, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a break. Uh. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. When we come back, actual hoop talk. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge discussing the biggest stories that matter to toronto sports fans the fan morning show with alish forfar and justin cuthbert subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back to the raptor show on the sports radio network i'm your host William Lou. continue to be joined by blake murphy and uh yeah, actual basketball talk now because the Raptors played tough against the Phoenix Suns last night, but ultimately lost. They lost by a score of 114 to 106. Some intentional fouling at the end there kind of extended the score, but um, it was, you know, a one possession game on the road in the final minutes. Raptors couldn't really get it done. Phoenix with some, uh, some, some more clutch plays than the Raptors, most notably that tip out to Chris Paul for three in a one point game after the Raptors got the initial stop. And then Aiton who had a putback dunk as well uh, on the next possession. A um, couple things, I think, to notice from that game. For me, Pascal being, I don't know, he just looks gassed to me. He looks really, really tired. And um, Are you surprised? I, I am not surprised because these are some of the numbers, okay? So, uh, obviously, he had uh, the groin in- injury, which kept him out for, I believe, for 11 games. When he came back from the injury, there was a minutes restriction. You know, obviously, that, that, that kind of uh, went out the window. So essentially, since that minutes restriction has sort of um, been tossed out, let's just say, in that 27 games during that time, he's averaging 39.4 minutes per game. He has played 40-plus minutes 11 times. This is in the last, like, two months. 40-plus minutes 11 times. Um, And, yeah, I think right now we're starting to really see a lot of games where it just looks like his legs are jelly. I mean, since the the Raptors beat the Hornets twice, uh, you know, which – 
truthfully, were fairly easy games, especially when you watched it. Uh, the Rap- uh, Siakam is shooting 44% from the field, 20% from three. He's averaging less free throw attempts per game as compared to his season average, and is shooting 72% on the line, which is lower than where he's at. So, yeah, it just seems to me like, you know, it turns out if you play a guy uh, 40 minutes a game every night, um, he might get tired. Yep. That's it? Okay. Um, no, I'm trying to... I'm There's trying no to other dig- concern is that's what I'm trying to say, right? It just looks like he's tired of me. Yeah, it, it does. And that we know how that affects a jump shot, right? Like it, you don't have your legs under you later in a game, especially when Pascal, a lot of his three-point diet is pull-up stuff at the top of the floor. Mm. Um, you participated in the Raptors Republic three-on-three tournament on the weekend. I know... I have reporting that, you know, you had tired legs by the end of that tournament. Your jump shot wasn't looking all that great. You weren't finishing at the rim as strongly. So, uh, I don't know. I, it's tough. By the way, it's tough. sorry to it's derail tough. this. I heard there were, like, Division Two ballers out at this oh, at the tournament man. this time. I'm not like, even kidding. We're far cry from Simu and me teaming up. Yeah, no, I, I wish it was still Looks that. Looks like a bad Marvel cutscene. My, my team, first off, in, in some of those previous tournaments, would have absolutely ran the table, okay? Um, because we got a guy named Vlad. Chat to Vlad. Um, but he's like six foot six, six foot seven. No, nah, that's not a real name. I, I just what, so Vlad? This, how's Vlad not a real name? Man? What did you say his full name was? His name's Vlad. I actually don't know his last name, but it doesn't really oh. matter to me because he's a pure hooper, six seven, two handing, dunking the ball, right? Scoring like at the three as well, rebounding, playing defense as well. To be honest, the rest of us on the team kind of sold. I mean, Drew was pretty good. He, he knocked down like five, six threes, uh, as he always does. But, you know, you know, uh, I, I was never going to contribute that much in the first place, including in a game where we lost in the finals. Well, not in the finals, in the, uh, the semifinals, where I, I saw the lane open, took a strong to the basket, got fouled. And, and we, you know, it was a shooting foul, so I'm shooting for one. It was a tie game with literally a minute left. And the one thing I do well is shoot free throws, and I shot it long. And yeah, eventually we lost that game and we got bounced. But it was good because if we had gone to the finals, we would have just been destroyed. There was a guy on that team. I'm not even kidding. I would love to see him play Malachi Flynn one on one. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I would love to see it because the last time I saw somebody score to that degree with that level of ease at Mattamy was Malachi back in the summertime. So. <laughs> A similar build too, let's just say. A Peyton Pritchard clone. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Pritchard, another guy. Oh, he wants a bigger role. Call the press. Yeah. You can have it here. Young guy thinks he could do more. Um, <laughs> anyway, the Pascal stuff. No, yeah, I'm Pascal not I'm not tired, surprised yeah. that he's tired. I'm not surprised that he's wearing down in games a little bit or over the course of the season. Um, I think he'll bounce back from it. Like we've seen these little lulls before. I don't think it's unique to Pascal. I just think the minutes that are asked of these guys are, are a little on the, on the extreme side. So um, it's disappointing. It, like it, it sucks. It, it just, it really highlights how much a, this team needs Pascal to be Pascal and B how much even one absence like OG mm-hmm. has this huge ripple effect where there's just like, like look at, the minutes distribution last night. And let's say Pascal came to the bench at the end of the third and was like, man, I I'm gassed. I don't have 38 minutes in me tonight. Can I get an extra breather? Can I have one extra minute, Nick, please? <laughs> I actually imagine how some of this, how these conversations, bad young, Wancho, Coloco, Flynn, uh-huh. like Boucher, uh-huh. Boucher was a monster on the glass last night. So we won't include him in that, but yeah. like which one of those guys, do you want taking the minutes, right? Like, or, or which one of those guys, if you're Nick, are you trusting with the minutes? Again, we can get into the chicken or egg thing of, well, maybe if they played more minutes over the course of the year, they'd be more ready for them now. Um, we can't really reset that. But yeah, there's, this is why 
this is why some of the framing of the OG stuff really frustrates me where this team's problem for a couple of seasons now has been like, they don't have enough good players. They have good players, just yeah. not enough of them. And then like precious has three good games in a row or Gary Trent gets back from injury and Fred starts shooting well. And then it's like, well, someone's got to go there. Mm -hmm. There are too many mouths. It's like, no, like if you had six guys and that's all you trusted, if you went Nick nurse playoff style rotation, that's still 40 minutes a night for each of those guys. Yeah. Like there are, a lot of minutes there's 240 minutes to, to soak up here you can have more than five good players um <laughs> that's the problem like that's why the raptors lost last but, night but you see it as yeah. soon as precious has a couple good games and everyone's healthy you know then the conversation turns to well should someone else start and yeah i've been guilty of that with the gary trent thing but i think it's just because gary trent would really help the bench it's not really about like oh too many mouths to feed you have too many good players mm. um no, it's quite the opposite. You don't have enough guys on the bench. Anyway, um, not all that surprised that Pascal is wearing down a little bit. I, I think, you know, if there's an area that I'm most noticing it on a night like last night, it's not even that he had only 19 points. Mm. It's that he had none of the extras, right? He wasn't yeah. at the free throw line. He wasn't a factor on the glass. What he wasn't really a playmaker. Yeah, yeah, that's really rare for him. That has got to be a season low. One I, assist yeah, is, I would imagine yeah, so. Low. Um, and it wasn't like he wasn't like looking to pass. It wasn't like he was only taking shots. It was more that he wasn't initiating as many drives as you normally see him in the middle of the floor uh, or from the top of the floor. And that usually leads to those kickouts or anything like that. Also, he gets a lot of assists in transition. The Raptors weren't able to get on the break that much either last night. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so whatever. Pascal wasn't able to carry, but, you know, Fred stepped up. You know, Scotty was good. Precious was, was, was good. You know, Chris was decent. Gary was good. Um, the start of the fourth quarter, the Raptors had trailed by, I think, eight points at halftime. They come out firing with a 10-0 run to take the lead, and then they sort of trade back and forth. They have a two-point lead going into fourth quarter. What is going to be the lineup you put out there? And you know Chris Paul had to rest because he played, like, most of the third quarter. Nick Nurse decides to put out Malachi, Wancho, Thad Young, Chris Boucher, along with Scotty Barnes. And that group, to me, just even watching it, I had no confidence in it. And, you know, it's not like they got blown out. In fact, even Malachi tossed in two threes or Thad Young got a little putback layup here or there. And it's just like, okay, maybe it's okay. But to me, it just felt very much like, man, you go from the intensity and the push that they made in the third quarter to make the comeback to that was just such like a deflating moment for me watching it. Did you like that decision? Uh, no, I didn't really. And this is something that came up. What game was it? I want to say it was the Nets game when... Kyrie and KD sat at the same time. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a Sixers game with Harden and Embiid. Anyway, there was a game not that long ago where both top guys on the other team sat at the same time, and the Raptors countered by going with a no Fred, no Pascal. Mm. And I think it was the last Sixers game. I apologize if that's not right. But again, what you're trying to decide in those moments is, is our better chance to win to take advantage of these moments where we could have the better lineup on the floor and then survive it when we have the worst lineup on the floor? Or do we try to play the whole quarter even? Mm. And I don't think the Raptors are good enough to go with the play the whole quarter even. Like the 2018-2019 version of this team, sure, you could go with a four-guy bench. You need to go with yeah. Kyle in the bench. Go with a whole bench mob if you really wanted because the team was good enough that if you lost that bench stretch by two points or you played it even, like your main group was so effective that you would believe that they could make it up. Mm -hmm. This group isn't that. Like this, even this starting five, pick your combination of the, the starting five guys. 
it hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been like, oh yeah, these guys win their minutes every single time resoundingly. Like you, you're not good enough in the my best five versus your best five mm. times to punt those little windows of advantage. Right. And I don't know, you know, the, it, it gets complicated because then you're getting into, you know, what do you do for a lineup? Like say you start that quarter with Pascal and Fred out there. Mm-hmm. What do you do when one of those guys needs a break and Chris Paul's back on the floor? Well, this is why you needed to stagger more minutes in earlier in the third quarter mm-hmm. because both Phoenix and Toronto extended their starters heavily in the third quarter. For Toronto, that's not a, a rare sight. For Phoenix, probably more so. But um, yeah, I mean, like I, I think where I would have to say, if, if you were Nick Nurse and you're looking at that bench, and even if Pascal or Fred come to you and they say, look, listen, I just need like two, three minutes here. What can you buy me with, right? And, like, look at the bench options that he had last night. First off, the Raptors are, I'm pretty sure they're carrying 14, right, in terms of the actual roster spots because Joe Wieskamp is second 10 days mm-hmm. expired. So you're literally one player short already just based on just what you're designing. And, with. I mean, you could call it 13 because auto. Yeah, so auto. So you're down to 13 because auto is not a contributor at all this season. There are certain players on this team that you just can't play in under any circumstances, like a Kim Birch, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have players that probably aren't ready to play in most circumstances, like Christian Coloco, because they're just put him down in the G League, mm-hmm. brought him back for this road trip uh, midway through. And He's going to go back minutes. down momentarily anyway. I think. So what are we doing? We're just, we're just polluting Denton. the planet for no reason for, the, for a two-minute performance here. Um, we got Malachi Flynn, who I honestly, you know, he got five threes up in, in seven minutes and made two. So you would might you might even say okay it wasn't so bad but like most scenarios you're not gonna play him you're not gonna play Delano Banton he was ret- available to play yesterday but he wasn't able to play or get into the game Jeff Dowden wasn't really used Ron Harper Jr is not a guy that we've seen used in any sort of meaningful context what are his some of his options here you know what I mean and that's where if you're Nick I'm sure he's got frustrations with the front office in the sense that like what are you giving me here to work with right okay you don't want me to extend my players forty minutes anybody with a brain could tell you that you shouldn't play your best players that many minutes because they will wear down. Like, no one's surprised. I'm sure, I'm sure Nick's not like, oh, my God, I'm shocked that Pascal is wearing down here because I'm playing him 40 minutes a night. And but it's, who are the alternatives? And if the directive is you got to win, then the front office got to supply you to, to win. You can't, you know, make chicken salad, and, essentially. And we don't know what the conversations are like when they make these end-of-roster decisions and how much Nick has the input, how much is just front office, sure. top-down, whatever. But it is pretty striking when you look across the court and the guys winning those minutes for Phoenix are Saban Lee, who's uh, on his, I think, fourth 10-day contract of the year from the 905. Right. You have an open roster spot. Mm-hmm. That guy is in your system, yep. and he's beating your bench unit. And Ish Wainwright, who, nah, he hasn't, like, lit the NBA on fire. But he's playable. You could. The Raptors are paying him right now. They gave him two years of partial guarantee that's how high they were on him. And then they went another route with that. Mm. And yeah. And the other route, by the way, Isak Bonga, who is now playing for Bayern Munich. Yeah. And Sam Decker, who uh, just won the British Basketball League MVP. Okay. That's that's a fun bit of trivia. Now, if these things have happened in the opposite order, if Sam Decker had was coming into camp as a BBL MVP, you know he's making that team. All right. Someone, someone to trade, uh, trade BBL stories with. They, they got to change the initials of that league, I by agree. the way. I like agree. Sam Decker being called the BBL MVP. Is, uh, um, no, okay, sure that's, that's one last, for sure that's Kyle Larry. Anyway, one last on. thing on the depth thing. So yeah. I just pulled some numbers. What about campaign as well? Literally, the, the whole yeah. Phoenix Although, Suns team in their, is, is in their defense. Campaign, the camp that, and you were there in Quebec yeah, City. I remember, like I 
I I can't remember in all the camps I've been to and exhibition games and stuff hearing more about how out of place a player looked. Like mm. he he had to do that. Right. He went to China and then the G League and mm. then only got an opportunity because the Suns didn't have enough players for the relaunch right, in right, the right. bubble. So like that one I don't blame them for as much, but like every good 905 game this year has been because Saban Lee and Jeff Doughton were really good. Mm. And Neither of those guys, I don't know. Saban Lee's not saving the season. He's not changing anything, but it's a multi-year pattern of this now. And the numbers I pulled, and I know we're running out of time, so I apologize, but um, since the run it back year, four seasons, I pulled the numbers on how many times teams have played players 38 minutes or more in a game. The Raptors have done it 432 times over four seasons. If you don't think that's a lot, oh man, nobody else has 300. Oh, and the Raptors are at 432. So if you, I understand the like game to game. Hey, what do you expect them to do? Like they, they're trying to win this game. And I, I also understand people being like, well, what's the difference between 38 and 36 minutes? Really? Um, the Raptors have played their guys 38 minutes or more, 47% more often than the next highest team mm. over the last four years. Like there's no team that operates as Every moment matters, and we have to win every minute. And this includes the Tampa tank season. I didn't even take that out of the sample. Damn. If I took that out of the sample, it probably gets even more extreme. Because guess what they didn't do as much of that year? Play guys 38 minutes because they wanted to lose. Well, the common issue is that they just don't have that kind of depth. But the thing is... The, the bench mob feels 20 years ago. Yeah. No, every time I call CJ, I'm like, yo, can you still play for the team? Yeah. <laughs> so No, he's too busy making new music, it's, it looks like, from his Instagram teases. All right. Uh, you got to get him to debut a track on the Raptor show with Willu. He got to feature uh, Alex with it because I know Alex hasn't wrapped <laughs> this season. That's part of the vibes being down. No, but seriously, though, they, they haven't really developed some of the players that they've even brought in. And that's where they the haven't. front office can say, well, look, hey, look at where you, what Utah's doing for Brooklyn. Look mm -hmm. at what, you know, I mean, what are your – O'Shea. Are, O'Shea, you know, uh, other pieces like Terrence Davis, I suppose. That's a nah. different scenario. But, like, you know, even some of the – like, even Anish Smith or Ish Wainwright, stuff like that. I yeah. mean, like, this is, these are minor things, but ultimately they do add Ish up. Smith. Ish Wainwright uses Ish Smith as a kettlebell. That's, yeah. a, that's a big difference in Ish. Bro, that, he, yeah, he really is built like a geo dude. Anyway, we're, we're, we're done for today. I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please interview the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sports YouTube channel and streaming live on Sports 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to Blake Murphy, our board producer, Derek Randale. Shout out to Lance Kennedy for the assist as well. And Jennifer Olnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. And I'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.